Sunday morning here in Nashville, Tennessee, with my dad, Papa T. What's up? Another bald-headed country boy. Another one. That's right. How's it going? Yeah. Good. How are you? It's been another good week. It's been a busy week. A busy week with the release of Bald-Headed Country Boy that came out Thursday, March 17th. How did you decide to do that on St. Patrick's Day, by the way? Did it just happen that way? <clears throat> when I had a... I mean, I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants. And uh, when I had things sorted out enough to get it uploaded online to my distributor, um, the 16th would have been a month from the day that I had it up. And um, the 17th was the next day. I was like, holy cow, it's St. Patty's Day. It's hilarious. I'm definitely going to just do it on St. Patty's Day. Oh, sorry. Hit the microphone with my glasses. Glasses is getting in the way. But if I don't have them, I can't see anything. Blind as a bat. Yeah. Blind as a bat. I do think my vision is starting to fade just a just a touch. And you've always had twenty twenty vision too. Better than. Yeah. Oh man, I hate to hear that. Did I tell you anybody that's got twenty twenty vision don't have to have corrective lenses? Kudos to you. I wish that was me. Mm-hmm. I've been wearing glasses since I was in the fifth grade. Wow. And they were thick then. They and those were real glasses. They weren't even plastic. I remember about the first two months I wore them, they gave me headaches because they were so heavy and they hurt across the bridge of my nose and gave me headaches. Yeah. Yeah. Glasses back then were a lot different than they are now. You didn't have like the Band-Aid over the... No, that was Pawpaw. I know. I remember. Yeah. Pawpaw wore the Band-Aid <laughs> because he wouldn't go get, uh, he wouldn't go get new glasses and his, and his little nose pieces had broken off. And so instead of going to get a new pair of glasses like any normal human being would have done, um, he just wore band-aids across his nose. Made him look like a bad A, really. You know, made him look like he'd been in a fight or something. But I don't know if that is what it made him look like. You don't know, you don't know if that's what it was. No, I don't think that's, <laughs> I think that was a, that was a far stretch there, Papa T. <laughs> well, we are talking about Papa, so you never knew what to expect out of him. No. Never knew what to expect out of Papa. No, but he probably had a dollar to give you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Papa was a very giving person. Very, very much so. Was, uh, you know, and the, Papa was who? Papa was what? I'm just for everyone else. Oh, it was uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Papa was my grandfather, but your great grandfather. Papa right. was my daddy's daddy. His name was Leo Ambrose Taylor. Don't know where the name Ambrose came from. Don't know where the name Leo came from. I do know where the name Taylor came from was his daddy. I've only heard one other man named by or by that name, Ambrose, and that was in Bowling Green, Kentucky. There was a guy in Bowling Green named Ambrose? Yeah, he told me that at one of my shows, and I was like, dude, we're going to be buddies. You were that's That was my great-granddad. All right, so in 
our family tree way back yonder somewhere, there was some, somebody supposed to have been named Ambrose, but it was so far back. I really don't think my great grandmother just thought that, you know, her great, great, great grandfather should be, you know, he should carry on his name. I, I really mm-hmm. don't know. I asked Papa one time where he th- said it came from and he said he didn't know. Interesting. You know? But yeah, so Ambrose, but he was quite a collector. Oh man. I tell you, he, Maybe to a fault. Nobody. No doubt to a fault. Nobody enjoyed collecting more than Papa and trading. The man lived to trade. Um, you know, one time he had a, he had a Winchester 20 gauge shotgun. It was made back in the twenties. Beautiful shotgun. I mean, it, it was for as old as it was, it was one of the prettiest shotguns I've ever seen. <clears throat> and generally I could have. I could talk Papa out of you know trading with me or buying it from him. You know, if he got something I really wanted, I, I could I could generally talk him out of it. And uh, but you know he 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 was a very giving person. But when it come to guns and knives and stuff like that, he always wanted to trade. He lived to trade. You know. So I went in up there to see him one morning. That shotgun's laying there across the couch, and I went over and looked at it, and I said, "Man, where'd you get that?" He said, oh, "I traded for it Thursday." I said, that's a nice shotgun right there. He said, yeah. He said, I sure was glad to get my hands on that. And I said, well, I said, what is it going to take to buy from you today? He said, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell that gun. He said, I'm going to keep it to trade. And I kept on, kept on, kept on, got ready to leave. And I said, well, I said, I got some green in my pocket. Said, how much are you going to take to get that shotgun today? He said, I'm going to hang on to that and son. So I thought, okay, I'll let, I'll let him have that. So next week I went up there. I said, well, you still got your shotgun? He said, no. He said, you're not going to believe what I got for that shotgun. I thought, dadgum, he's traded off my shotgun. I said, what'd you get? He said, I got a pistol, a pocket knife, and $350. I said, that's a pretty good haul. He said, yeah. He said, man, I tell you, that's a, that's a good haul on that one right there. So the next Saturday I went to see him, there laid that shotgun there across the couch. And I said, did you get that shotgun back? He said, yeah. He said, I traded back for it again Thursday. I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no. I said, well, how much are you going to take to buy that shotgun today? Since you already made good off of it, you know, what's it going to take? No, son, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hang on to that. And he said, that's a money maker right there. So to make a long story short, he owned that shotgun three times, traded for the same guy three different times. Went the with, same guy. The same guy. You have proof of this. Do I have proof of it? You, like he told you it was the same. Oh yeah, guy. yeah. I knew the guy. I mean, I, I knew his name then. I don't know. It, I don't know it now, but I, I knew it then. But the, he so Papa owned it three times, and the guy that he traded with owned it four times. Okay. On the fourth time, Papa traded it back to him. The dude sold the shotgun to another guy. Hmm. So Papa goes back down to the trade, and he's like, "Where's our shotgun?" He said, I sold it. And he said, man, why did you sell our shotgun? He said, man, you was making a great living off that shotgun. <laughs> so I never did get the shotgun. I think about it a lot, though. I think about that. That's a great story. That, that was just typical Papa. What right kind there. of shotgun was it again? It was a Winchester, 20-gauge, single shot, and had a rolling block. So when you went to put the shell in, you didn't breach it. You didn't break it down. You rolled a block. Put the shell in, rolled it back. Mm. I mean, it was a sweet, it was a sweet shotgun. Interesting, very interesting. One I that would have loved. One I would have loved to have had for, you know, 
to keep looking Forever. at purposes. Yeah, I you know I don't do a lot of shooting. I love to shoot, but it's just hard to find places to go shooting anymore. Ammo's always and ammo's expensive. always expensive. It's funny we bring that up. So a great place you can go shoot here in Nashville if you ever need to go do some shooting is Nashville Armory. Absolutely, I there for for quite some time, several years, and uh, but. When I started working out there, I spent a lot of time behind the range counter, ringing people up for ammo, sending them out on the range, getting them started with a new gun, things like that. Yeah. And working that specific job, I memorized all of the ammo prices. Right? Like, I would... That takes takes a little effort right there, but... I mean, like, all the ammo I had behind the counter, you kind of just over time memorized it. You know, they changed Mm -hmm. every time stuff came in, but, like, I would have a big shipment of the same kind of... 38 on the on on the rack like the same thing for three or four weeks right right so like maybe not that long but a while long enough to easily remember it so like let's say it was 23 45 for a box of box of 38 i mean nine times out of ten people especially regulars are going to walk up to the counter and be like how much is nine mil how much is 38 yeah and i'm like just spouting them off right um so with all that being said it was so funny, dude. One day I was back there and I was loading up a bunch of forty-five long colt, and you had bought a judge or something like that. I bought I bought a judge. You bought a judge, but yeah. then you ended up getting a governor later on. But you you had the judge first, and that yeah. is what we shot first. And and when mm-hmm. I was old enough to do some shooting, I pretty much wanted to all the time, any chance I could. Hunter was always into it too, and yeah. so. I mean, when we got that judge shooting forty five, I mean those forty five long cold, they they look huge. You know Pack what I'm punch saying? Too, yeah, buddy. and so so like it was as a kid, it was always like I want to shoot those, I want to shoot those. So there's no telling how many boxes of forty five long cold and thirty eight special I went through. Well, now, that you bought, and then what I'm saying is, is when I was out there working that job and I was sitting back there looking at all their ammo prices, I was like, good gosh, dude, if I was dad, I would have killed me. I never knew what y'all shot. It, it, I'd just go in there and if we was out of ammo, if I had the money, I'd go buy ammo. And if I didn't, I wouldn't. You know, we just had to shoot something else. You know, those, that, uh, so you brought up the, 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 the president made by Smith and Wesson. No, no, the governor. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking of Papa Cigars. Yeah. The governor made by yeah. Smith and Wesson. Sorry. Yeah. You're right. Um, you know, that was Papa's gun. I gave it to him for Christmas one year. We gave it to him for Christmas one year. And, uh, the next year he wasn't here. And, uh, but he was really proud of that, dude. Never shot it. He never shot it. He never shot it. But he was so Mm -hmm. proud of that. I remember when we gave it to him, he was, he was fired up about it. And he carried it with him. Loaded. Literally that huge thing. He carried that, he carried that, that governor with him loaded. Uh, as a matter of fact, when he, when he got sick and went into the, the rehabilitation facility, which ended up being a nursing facility, uh, I actually found the pistol, unloaded it, put it back in the case and brought it home with me. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, he carried it with him, but he never shot it. Never shot it. Not surprising to me because I don't know if I ever watched the man shoot a gun in my entire life. He loved guns and I, you know, he actually taught me to shoot when I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, as he got older, he, he got more, uh, 
timid around him, I guess because he just wasn't sure of himself as much, you yeah. know. And uh, he he didn't like to shoot. Now, I think probably the last time he shot is when he got his carry permit. Because you have to shoot to get your carry permit. Right, you do so have to shoot. I think, I think that was probably the last time he shot. And I think he was probably about 75 years old when he, when he got his carry permit. So. It's wild. But yeah. So, um, Papa and the guns, man. So let me tell you a little bit about the governor real quick. He brought that up. We're telling the story about him having that, you know, carrying it and why that's so intense. If you don't know a lot about guns, Smith and Wesson governor is, is a pistol. It's a revolver. That shoots forty five long colt, forty five ACP mm-hmm. with a moon clip, right? And then it also shoots four ten shotgun shells. Right. So that's what makes that particular pistol so unique and also a little absurd for someone to carry that on their hip. It's not that they can't; it's just a whole lot of pistol yeah. to be packing. Yeah, you know especially when saying? you're an eighty five year old man. Yeah, I mean, like I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how. I really don't know how he did it, but that's a great gun. Love that gun. That um, the judge is also a good gun too. But the um, but the governor, Taurus, but the governor's the governor the, shoots so much better than the judge. Yeah, I it wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wasn't gonna say it, but you're right. I mean, you know, no it doubt. just uh, you know, it's got a little bit extra grip on the bottom. It, which it I will does. say this too: the judge they make bigger versions of that gun, just like the the um, governor. So there might be a version of that gun that has a nicer grip that you appreciate a little bit more, something yeah. like that. But I will say, if you take the two that we have, and the judge is a little bit smaller than the than the governor that we have, but if you take the two of them and you shoot them side by side, there's never going to be a day that I don't pick up that governor. Yeah. Over. Yeah, but you mentioned going to Nashville Armory, man. We had some great times over there. Yeah. It's a great place to go. I had some not-so-great times cleaning the range. I but bet, but when we were over shooting, we had, we had some... I remember the day we carried your AR over there. Yeah, I remember the Man, day we carried that, that AR over was, there, too. I, I wasn't too keen on that. I was like, I, I don't, okay, I'll go shoot it. Let's see what it's all about. I don't know anything about, you know, right, you're high the, power. the old shotgun. I'm the old shotgun kind of dude, you know. We go over there, and, and man, shooting that thing is a blast. It's a lot of You've, fun. It's a it lot of fun. It doesn't kick as much as you think, and it's got, like, a lot of pop to it. Yeah, yeah. So you really feel like. And uh, you just feel bad. Yeah. You just feel like, oh, man, yeah. I'm something else. It's intense, you know. So, short story about that. We go over there. I had two guns that we got out that day to shoot, one of which was a twenty two Henry Golden Boy, and then Beautiful that gun. Smith & Wesson M&P 15, the AR, um, which is a five five six. And we shot that little Golden Boy. And sat it down, and with that, I didn't even, I mean, it was brand new. I mean, I had maybe shot it once or twice. There was not, a like, a single blemish on it, not even the slightest. Mm-hmm. And then I hand this guy right here my AR, and he starts shooting it, and the casing start hitting the freaking wood on the side of the golden boy. So there's a bunch of marks on the side of it now, but it's okay. Now I'm not, now I'm not worried about roughing it up a little bit. You know, I used to be, I used to be the type, because I was brought up this way by my dad and my granddad, my my dad and and papa is you know put stuff up don't don't get it out don't use it put it up and keep it save it to save it to pass down to somebody but man you know about probably about 20 years ago i'm thinking what good is something in a in a closet that's not doing in anybody any good you know what's good in having something if you're just going to shove it in a closet and not get it out and shoot it or not get it out and play it or you know 
I'd whole lot rather see somebody take a take a shotgun out and enjoy. I mean, well, that's you're just saying that because you're the one that marked up my gun. Well, I was trying to make <laughs> you feel better about it. Yeah, I was doing my. Best. I don't feel bad about it. There's just a couple little marks on there, and I've always said I'd probably end up teaching my kids how to shoot with that gun anyway. So I'm gonna I'm tell sure you something. Mark it up too. When you do teach your kids about this gun. You will tell them the story. Which of I don't the have day. any kids, by the way. Yeah, you don't. But when you do have treasure. children and you do take them out shooting, you will tell them the story of us going and shooting that day uh, mm-hmm. over, over, over at National Armory. And I've already told it plenty of times. And I'm going to tell you something else. The story is worth more than the shotgun. Yep. Every time. Yeah, so or the rifle. The little rifle. Yeah. yeah. It, it, the, the story is always worth more. Than the stuff. Well, we just need to go do that again because I've told since we did that, I've told a lot of people that was some of the most fun we've had. We had a good, we had a good day. Yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Like I said, it was just because I felt so bad. I mean, you know, I really wanted to come home and put on my bandana and yeah, the AR rule. It'll 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 get you. But go out here and go Rambo on somebody. Did you ever shoot any of the Falados? Don't know what a Falado is. What's a Falado? Don't know what it is. It's a gun, Dad. What kind of gun? A fully automatic gun. No, I've never gotten to shoot one of those. That would be awesome. Is that one of them where you have to lay on your belly to shoot it? I'm just shocked that it took me that long to get that through your head. You didn't understand what full auto Dude, was. Dude, I'm a, I'm a 410 single shot guy. I don't right. know anything about these high-powered machine guns. I don't but know in all the time that. that I worked out there, you never once shot one. I never got an invitation to shoot one. That's that, because you you probably shot up all my ammo. No, that's false. You definitely got invitations, buddy. Well, okay, maybe I don't know. I can't remember. But no, I've never shot one. Is that one of them you got to lay on your belly to shoot? No, they might have one out there now, but at the time they only had like. Because I don't want I don't like shooting on my belly because my belly's big mm-hmm. and it raises me way up over the gun, so I have to kind of hunker down to get down. I'm not a very good shot when I'm shooting on my More belly. More of a chair. I'm a lot better than a chair. I feel you. Yeah. yeah, no, they had up to, I think, a 308 kind of deal, which is a very heavy, fully automatic gun, no doubt. But it was not one that you. Seems like I was over there one day when they were doing, when somebody was shooting one, like in the, in the, in the range next to us. And when they were firing that thing, the compression that came off of the, I don't know what they were shooting, but whatever they were shooting over there, the compression off of that thing felt like it was going to knock the wall down. No surprise there. That was, I, I thought, I'm getting out of here. I'm afraid that thing's going to explode. Yeah, when I would have to run five group events on a Saturday yeah, and have to go sit and teach every person how to end the, end, so let's say each group event had eight people. Five times eight. Yeah. What are we looking at? 40? 40. That's All five right. times. That's what it was so last I, time I checked. Let's say on Saturday I taught 40 people how to shoot a Uzi. Maybe, oh, wow. maybe twice. Maybe no. twice. And then while I'm teaching them to shoot the Uzi, I've got somebody over here with a 308 just pounding. Boom, 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 boom. I'd leave there, dude, and it would feel like my brain had just been oh, in a I blender. Bet. I bet. Yeah, I can see that because that day I was not even in the same range. I, they, that, they had, at one time they had two different ranges. And I think they did the more high powered stuff in one. And, yep. the, and the one I was in was pistols. And, you know, I just carried pistols over. I didn't carry anything else. And, you know, I'd be sitting there shooting my 38 or whatever I was shooting that day. 
And then all of a sudden that thing started going off. And honestly, it felt like it shook the whole building and it felt like it was going to knock that wall down between those two ranges. And I thought, man, that's a, that's (laughs) not a 22. That is not a 22. No, it's not a 22. So I I went ahead and, you know, fired off a few more rounds and I, I checked out of there. I was like, cause I'm not going to be able to concentrate. That is one you know. uh, thing. If you've if you've not, if you're not a shooter and you're wanting to get in into some shooting, an indoor range is an awesome place to do that. But I will say, if you're very timid about sound and about like the feeling of yeah. the, the, the explosion of the gun going off, yeah. if that makes you nervous, an indoor range is probably not the best place for you to. Hey, to test there out. is nothing better. Nothing better. I love indoor ranges. They're fine. But there's nothing better than getting out in the middle of a hundred acre field. Well, right. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying oh. to say. Like when you're out there doing that, first of all, you don't have other, most likely you don't have other people around you right. shooting the whole time. But then you also, you don't have that sound contained. Whenever that sound, whenever that, whenever the sound goes off and the explosion goes off inside that 25 yard range, it all hits one wall and it comes right back in it. Yeah. You know, it's just all contained. It's bouncing off and hitting you. All right. So, what is your the your most favorite firearm that you've ever fired? And you fired thousands, probably. That's such a hard one for me to answer. That's such a like depends on what. Just to shoot, period. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I was there's so many. Guns what was the I've, neatest one? What What was the one that you shot and you went, dang, that was neat. The fully automatic guns. Those are you don't get to shoot that. Anywhere else. Okay. Unless you have someone who's got all of the ridiculous amount of paperwork yeah. to get the full auto. Unless you have someone who's a buddy that will yeah. take you out and let you shoot that. The only place you're going to get anything like that is at a shooting range right. kind of deal. And so there's no doubt about how those were the most exciting and the most intense to shoot. You know what mine was? Mm. The muzzle loaders. Muzzle loaders are fun. They're not my favorite. I love shooting a muzzle loader. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just something about packing the ammo and packing the wad and, and that's and, too much for me and putting the cap on. And I, you feel like you, you feel like you're stepping back to 1776. I felt like I was, what's that dude's name in the Patriot? Mel Gibson. Well, not, well, what was his character? Uh, Martin, uh, Benjamin Martin. I felt like I was Captain Benjamin Martin when I was shooting that thing. By the way, The Patriot is an awesome movie. If you've never seen it, go watch it. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. Now I love I love shooting the muzzle loaders, but nah, it's not my favorite. They're just too much work, man. They're he- the the one I've got is really heavy too and like it's just easier now for me to deal with a Yeah, no, I get it. I mean they're they're kind of a pain, but there's just something about it. I mean, you know, it's kinda of like you're stepping back in time. Yeah. You know, no doubt. It's 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 just cool. Muzzle loader. The AR was was uh, was a a a wonderful experience. Uh, didn't expect it to be that much fun and that cool. Uh, but my favorite thing to shoot always will be six shot pistol. Mm-hmm. Just the old cowboy six shot pistol. Love shooting a pistol. I really do, and I love shooting a thirty eight or like a three fifty seven with some thirty eight in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't like shooting a 357 pop. with a 357 in it because that's just too much pop for I me. I can and I will. It, yeah, but like, and also you got to think you're spending 
seven dollars more a box at yeah. least on on a box of three fifty seven. If you've never been to a firing range, another thing you got to consider: you go through a lot more ammo there in oh, an hour than you think you do. You think I'll just get me a box and go? Well, you'll be through that box in ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah. You Unless know. you have like an issue loading ammo, which yeah. a lot of people, new shooters and stuff, right. do. If you don't have an issue loading, loading ammo, you'll you'll go right through it. And, and typically with a revolver, you're not going to have right issues loading ammo. It's just you they're just fun. To shoot once you ammo. figure it out, you're good to go. You know, you just get out there and shoot that thing. Feel like a cowboy. Love it. Oh, by the way, if you do go to a firing range, they're going to tell you this: don't shoot above the line. Yeah, or they'll find you. Especially at Natural Armory. I don't know about all the other ranges, but there is a line on the uh, the backers that they right. hang from the, the carrier system that runs the target down yeah. and back on the range. And if you shoot above that red line at any given point on the range, you're shooting up into the ceiling, which right. has to be replaced over time. It's right. not like that's going out into the no, world. It's not like they find you like 75 bucks or something like that. I think it was just about 7 or $8 or something like that. Something like that for the shots above the red line. Now, if you yeah. shot the carrier system, they'd charge you $25 a shot. Yeah. But if you're shooting a piece of a company's piece of equipment, they've asked you not to shoot. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they told you they're going to charge you for it, then you just got to pay for it. I mean, it. you you know before you go in there what the fees are. That was are, not fun you know? dealing with, because I'm going to tell you something right now. That every once in a while, you'd have somebody come out of there and go, you know what, I messed up, that was me. And we always tried to be, like, as kind and, yep. you know, and, and understanding with those people as we could. But nine times out of ten, you had someone come out of there cussing you out. They didn't shoot above the red. They didn't, they didn't do what we said they did, and they weren't going to pay it. And that was never fun to deal with. So if you were one of those people, I hope you have uh, grown up a little bit. Since yeah, then. yeah. But I mean, you got to consider that that the people that own that place have got to pay to have that repaired. And if they don't have that stuff repaired, then you're not going to have a firing range. To exactly. Go to. So I'd rather pay the fee and keep the firing range open because mm-hmm. it's not you know it's hard to find a hundred acre field where you can go out and shoot now where somebody don't come out shooting at you because you're shooting on their field. You know. But going back to that, some of the times that we. You know, your Uncle Tim had a place we went and shot shot at down in Hickman County. It was it was probably my favorite place to shoot. A lot of lead down there. It was a the way that the ground way it was kind of like perfect. a bowl. It yeah. was really because when you fired, you fired into the ground straight into it, and so you didn't have to worry about you know your your projectile going a mile down the road and hitting somebody's house. It went right into the ground. You could see it. You know, you could see the dirt pop. Mm-hmm. When, you know, when when you shot, that was a great place to shoot. But there's nothing about pulling, you know, nothing like pulling up in the middle of a hundred acre field and you're out there in the middle and, you know, set up some jugs or cans or something like that and shooting those. That's just, that's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so March 17th, bald headed country boy came out. Been a long week, but it's been a good one. I've been selling some t-shirts. I really appreciate that. I've been getting some spins on Spotify. I really, really appreciate that. Apple Music, too. I haven't quite learned how to check the other streaming and listening platforms, but... We've been pushing it. I appreciate that. We've been pushing time. it. As, a, as an independent artist, that's really the only way the word's going to get spread for someone like me is if people tell other people about it. Um, it's been a lot, been a lot of talk about that. Well, there have been people telling people about it, and I appreciate that yeah. big time. So, main thing, if you know any bald... Guys, tell them, because this is their song. Not that you can't listen to it if you're not bald. I want you to listen to it. Even if you are, even if you got a head full of hair, I want you to listen to it. Yeah, we we don't discriminate. 
That's right. That's right. See, I used to have a long head full of hair. I had hair down to here. And it was, you know, initially just a long head of hair. But I remember it was awful looking. But then you didn't love it. I, I did started not love getting it. my receding hairlines back here. All I mean, it came all the way back yeah, here. Yeah, I'm sorry right? about that, by the way. And then, like, the thinning started to happen on top and in the middle back here. Yeah. With that, and then also, like, I, I trimmed my own beard. I ended up, like, cutting up just a little bit right here, too, on the side. So I never, like, trimmed all the way up the sides like a mullet mullet, but it was it wasn't far off it. That, but this, and let's say something here. We're not anti-mullet at all. No. Some of our favorite people in the world wear mullets. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're not anti-mullet at all. It's just that, uh, you given, know. Giving the mullets an opportunity to uh, to have a song to look forward to once their hair starts Once their hair fall starts falling out, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it, in, in most cases, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. I must say, I know. guess it don't happen to everybody, but. Yeah, I, I always get, hoped and prayed that my boys would not be follically challenged, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you both are, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> hey, but I did marry up, so I did try to change some things. You did? You know, I did try to change our gene pool. I didn't drain the septic tank, but at least I did get some fresh water when I married but married up. Did you Did you have any conversations with her brothers before you married her? You know. To see what they were like. The, uh, yeah, and I married her anyway. <laughs> you know? Um, her brother, Daniel... Uh, who is a year older than I am, was the biggest jerk in high school I'd ever met in my life. Couldn't stand him. He was just arrogant. He's a good-looking dude, first of all. He's good-looking football player, basketball player. Uh, he was a jock, uh, but he was he, he knew he was good. Probably one of the best defensive players Fairview's ever had. Daniel, was he was freaking mean. I mean, he didn't go out there and just hit somebody to stop him. He went out there to hit him and take him out. Daniel and, uh, is mean sometimes. And, and he can, he can stay. But let me say this. Uh, Daniel's probably one of my favorite people in the world now. You know, very interesting dude. If you, if you, if you ever get, you know, if you ever get to talk to him, he's a very interesting dude. Um, he, uh, he probably gave me the hardest time when I first started dating your mama. Uh, than any of the other brothers did. Of course, he knew me more because we were in school together and everything. You know, I was a, I was a nerd. I was a nerd tuba player coming into a jock family. Okay, and so I had, I didn't have anything going for me coming into this family except for the fact that they thought I was harmless because I was a nerd tuba player. And so I think that that played to my advantage of coming into the Jock family was that they 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 thought I was harmless, mm-hmm. I, I, you know. So um, over the years, you know, we had differences, and we worked out, you know, we worked out our differences. And and Daniel's just a. If I need anything, I call Daniel right now today. He's going to be there for me. He really is, and uh, he's a good dude. Got good youngins, man. But of course, there again, he married up. Yeah, he will. He will give you a hard time if he has the chance to. But he won't. If if you ever have an opportunity where he should compliment you, he's not going to. No, he's <laughs> he's not going to. <coughs> Excuse me, he's not going to compliment you. But um, here's another thing about Daniel: if he don't like you, he ain't gonna mess with you. 
If he don't like you, well, he must like me a lot. Then. Oh, he does. But if he don't like you, he's just not going. He's not going to have anything to do with you. You know. <coughs> sorry. Well, I will. I'll give him a. <coughs> sorry. I'll give him a uh, a shout out. He did give me like in one of my hardest times in life. He gave me some of the nicest advice that I didn't expect to get from him, of all people. But after I had my car accident and DUI, he called me. I guess it was probably before I had my DUI. But it was after I had the car accident, and he was he you know was casually talking to me about it, trying to like. Honestly, I think he was trying to make me feel a little bit better, which I was surprised. And he said something to the effect of, "It's not about what you did; it's about what you do now, from here on out." Well, he lived it. I mean, he he lived it. Daniel went through some hard times too, you know, and uh, made some, like all of us do, made some poor choices, and and you know, so he had lived it. And so I'm very thankful. I I really didn't know that till just now, and I'm very thankful that he took that opportunity to. Now he know. called me cousin Dewey every single time he saw me after that <coughs> for four years. Cousin who? Cousin Dewey. D U I Dewey. Oh oh. oh. Okay. Yeah. Even in the family group message, he called me. <coughs> Golly, I'm coughing my head off. I'm but sorry. that one night, for a moment, he was nice about it. Yeah, get a cough drop. But we got some cough drops running around yeah. here somewhere. Um. <coughs> but yeah, he. You know what? Speaking of another, he's another bald-headed country boy himself. Yeah. As a matter of fact. Now, um, and and Daniel was a mullet dude back in the '80s, dude. Did he have a full-on? He not only had a mullet, he had a mullet with a perm in it. So he's another one like me who started out with long hair slash yeah. almost mullet and yeah. then turned bald. Absolutely. <coughs> That's hilarious. He had a, he not only had a mullet, he had a mullet with a perm in it. So a lot like John, our cousin John. Yeah, as a matter of fact, when John got his uh, perm and his mullet, I called him Daniel. That is Much to his hilarious. Dismay. Yeah, but I called him Daniel. Uh, I was about to say, I'm sure he got, <laughs> he got a big kick out of that one. Yeah. That's pretty freaking hilarious. So, yeah, shout out to uh, Uncle Dan there. Um, good dude. Yeah, real good dude. Make some good moonshine. <laughs> um, You know, I mean, he don't make it to sell. He makes it for himself, but he's kind of, you know, he's kind of perfected the art of it, mm-hmm. you know. He bought one of those homemade kits. Well, not a homemade kit, but one of those kits that you can make your own moonshine and all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's uh, that's another thing. When Daniel gets into anything like that, he goes in head first. He's, he's you know, almost consumed with it. And so, yeah, I mean, he's uh, it's pretty impressive a little setup he's got there, mm-hmm. you know. I need to go over and hang out with him one day. Just hadn't done that yet. But, yeah, good dude. I'm glad we worked out our differences, not because I did want to run over in my truck when I was in high school. Yeah, you know. Tell me more about that. Well, when I first started sparking your mama a little bit, Daniel got, you know, he got a little. He he'd like to, you know, kind of be. Well, you're not dating my sister. Y'all can, yeah, you can take her out on a date, but y'all are not dating. You better not kiss her. You know, stuff like that. And so I was just got. Like, dude, if I ever catch him in the parking lot, I'm going to pretend like I didn't see him and just run over him. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. I mean, I would have felt really bad about that now. So, That's how how do you think I would feel about telling your cousins, yeah, I was the one that ran over your daddy? You know, I would not be the favorite uncle. 
if I'd done that. that I guess not. That would have been awful. Yeah. I guess not. <clears throat> so, yeah. How did we get off on Daniel? I don't know. But we'll circle back around because I okay. was talking, I was thinking earlier before we got started, we talked about how I released Bald Headed Country Boy this last week on my Bald Headed Brothers Go Spin That Thing. Um, I was thinking a little bit about all the times that I had, not all the times, but the handful of times I had gotten, a couple times I got to meet Charlie Daniels um, growing up. Yeah, I never got to meet Charlie Daniels. Well, when he did, uh, there's a picture running around here somewhere, and I thought I had it laying over here with me, but I guess I don't. Um, there's I, a picture. I, I got to tell you, I've still got a, I've, I've still got a burr under my saddle about the fact that I never got to meet Charlie Daniels. Well, you should have come there. There's the picture right there. Yeah. You should have come backstage with us at the Lipscomb University oh, Yellow Ribbon program. I would have if I'd have known anything about it. You did know about it. You no, the person who had the pass, and I won't mention any names, Donna Taylor, my, the love of my life, had the passes to get backstage to see Charlie Daniels. I couldn't find any. I couldn't find anybody. Couldn't find you. Couldn't find your mama. Um, I was calling people. They weren't answering their phones. And come to find out, she comes back out after the after the meet and greet back there and showing me pictures of how they all got y'all all got to go back there and see Charlie Daniels and and I had to get her mama back to the car after the show. So I got shafted on that deal right there. Well, I did get to meet him a couple times and it was awesome. He was super kind. All of those times that I met him. But it's funny, it, yeah, I would definitely, there was, I think there might have been a year and Mama didn't have a pass and we were just back there trying to well, she sneak needed, around a little bit. <laughs> she need, see, she needed security yeah, we, we We ran around campus enough to know a few of the security people and they, we had our boots and nice clothes on. They didn't say nothing to us yeah. while we were walking around back yeah. there. So, Well, I'm really glad you got that opportunity. I never met Charlie. I've known a lot of people that's met Charlie. And every person that I've ever talked to who knew Charlie Daniels said he was one of the best guys ever. Yeah. Just super, very down to earth, just nice, nice man. Mm -hmm. And um, a good Christian person. I mean, man, I tell you what, Charlie Daniels carried the cross Jesus with him everywhere he went. He was a he was he was very outspoken about his faith and his beliefs and uh did a lot for our veterans i mean you know that show he put on at lipscomb was for the the, the yellow uh, ribbon program. Yellow, ro yellow ribbon program over there and uh, raised a lot of money for that program which was for <clears throat> veterans to go to school at lipscomb right right and uh you know I remember one show he had Gary Sinise show up. Do you know who Gary Sinise is? I know the name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lieutenant Dan. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wow. On, on Forrest Gump. It's hilarious. Yeah, and I I had forgotten that Gary Sinise is a musician, but, man, that sucker can play. Wow, I didn't even know he could oh, play. Oh, yeah, he was awesome. He was awesome. And uh, so, yeah, I, I miss Charlie. Uh, I It was a – it was a – your mom and I were in a – we were in a um, an antique store – in Indiana, we'd just gone to Tippie Creek, or we're headed to Tippie Creek, I guess it was. And we'd stopped at an antique shop, and we were antiquing and looking at a bunch of old stuff. And 
I got tired, so I went and sat down, and your mama was still doing some looking around, and I got on Facebook, and that somebody had posted that Charlie had died that morning of a stroke. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, at, I think that's probably the only time I ever cried over somebody dying I never met. Mm. But I did. I teared up because, yeah. you know, that's the, end of, that's the end of an era right there. That was definitely <laughs> super sad, man. But, uh, hey, we know where he's at. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a good thing. But uh, No doubt. No doubt. And I read his um, – so another thing, one, one of my buddies, Tucker, was his godson mm-hmm. and, and got to play in the, the volunteer jam a few mm-hmm. years back. And I was lucky enough to get to tag along with him and hang out. Um, and so I got to meet Charlie again that night. Um, but I got to be backstage and see him interact with a bunch of different people, like watching him and Travis Tripp interact and talk and hug each other backstage. That's crazy. That's cool. You know, that's, that's just, crazy. You don't get to see stuff like Mm-mm. that really. No. Um, so yeah, dude, I just, I've always loved Charlie Daniels. The first time I remember, um, being introduced to Charlie Daniels was when I believe I was somewhere in the neighborhood of probably about seven years old. It was winter time and it had just snowed in Fairview. And I got a call from up the road Shelby Hoppy. Shelby Hoppy. Her and her and one of her friends. Well, I guess they I guess her dad was out riding them around on the four wheeler and stuff yeah. and was like, Hey, do you want to come up here and play in the snow with us? And Amber, her little sister, and I think maybe even Ashley went up that day. I don't remember. Regardless, I remember we went up to their house and played out in the snow and was for reason. And came back in and was in their room and she was Shelby played I believe it was a Coyote Ugly soundtrack. I might be wrong. But I think The Devil Went Down to Georgia was like the first song on that soundtrack. And she played it, and I was like, what is this? What is this? Wait a minute. So that that's the first time you'd ever heard Devil Went Down to Georgia? The only time, first time I remember it. Yeah. And I was like, where did Where did we go wrong? I don't know. But I mean, I was only like seven. Wow. Maybe if that. And wow. I was like, I was like, what is this? And so she told me, she was like, this is Charlie Daniels. This is, this is the devil went down to Georgia. This is one of the best songs ever. So that's all I thought about for a week. And then you and mom took us to a, me and our siblings, Ashley and Hunter, to uh, like a yard sale thing in a subdivision where like 20 houses had yard sales going on. And we went to all the different yard sales and there was one that had a bunch of CDs, and I picked out a Charlie Daniels Band live in concert and a Steve Holy CD, um, the one with Good Morning Beautiful on mm-hmm. it. And I, and I asked if we could get those two CDs, and I took those two CDs home, and I listened to the, I listened to them so much, both of them. But that Charlie Daniels CD, I listened to it so much that I not only had pretty much all the words to the songs memorized, but I knew I, I had his words in between the songs memorized. Yeah. Like the, the stories he would tell about the songs in between them. Right. And like, it's funny. Like I, I remember years back playing shows and like talking and saying stuff in between songs and kind of like laughing to myself saying, it kind of sounds like Charlie and it's probably (laughs) just because I listened to those live albums so much. Well, I remember you telling about Shelby introducing you to, uh, Charlie Daniels. Was there a song on there that freaked you out or something? Like, you listen to it? Well, later in life, yeah. Uh, Wooly Swamp. Yeah. Give me nightmares. Yeah. Give me nightmares. Um, yeah, that was, that was just a, 
a freaky, freaky song, but I love it now. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's a great story song. And, like, um, I went back and listened to it a couple years ago. And, like, as you grow as a musician, your ears grow with you. Um, about like things that you hear in songs, right? Like, you know, if you know nothing about music, you listen to a song, you see it as one thing, but like you, the more time you spend working in the music industry and making music, like you see the recordings for, for difference. Um, gosh, I don't remember exactly what I was trying to say there about that, but talking about Willie Swamp. Yeah, it was actually with, uh, uh, one of my guys, good friend of mine, Nate Mould, who's done quite a bit of drumming for me over the years. He and I were talking about that. Our ear, Just that the, your ears will mature over time mm-hmm. and that you'll notice different things. Like um, I just didn't notice all of the musicianship that was in the song until I had grown and went back and listened to it again. It was mm-hmm. just like, wow, wow. This is not only a really cool song, but this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really can't believe you were seven years old before you ever heard uh, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. That's now, one of my favorite. may not be songs. the right number, but, like, that's the first time I remember making that association. I remember them dancing around to that song and me just going, what in the world is this? Mm-hmm. You ever heard him tell about the story about the, that song? Heard Charlie tell I don't remember the story, but he tell, he has got a great story about how that song came about. And um, if it's pretty in well, the book, if it's in the book, I, think I know a, I read it. I think it. it's in the book. Because yeah. I picked that book up, um, Never Look at the Empty Seats, and I read that thing in probably three days. Yeah. Which I can tell you the last time I sat down and read a book from cover to cover. I, I've got it on CD. I've listened to it but I was, all the way through. I was not times. playing music when I read that. Yeah. I was working full time, and I was, and I was pretty sad, yeah. honestly. I was pretty heartbroken and didn't know what, like I wanted, I love music and I wanted to be able to make music for a living. And I just didn't know if I was ever going to get an opportunity to do that again. Um, but fortunately I read that book and, and learned from a lot of the stories that I read in there and really took to heart. Never look at the empty seats. And, um, yeah, I'm still here making music and luckily I'm working for creative vets and, you know, it's hard to believe I've gone, to, I've gone to two or three, uh, Charlie Daniels concerts and <clears throat> went to, um, uh, volunteer jam one year and we, the place was absolutely packed. I mean, you, it's standing room only. It was just, it, it was just, you can't imagine the number of people that was in there. And to hear Charlie talk about, being in, you know, he and his band traveling around with no money whatsoever, and they're going into these little venues, and there's nobody there. They got up and played anyway, you know. And you're sitting there going, I can't imagine Charlie Daniels being on stage and not, you know, not having anybody there to listen to, you know. But I guess that's something that every artist goes through, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his 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 last name was Daniel and not Daniels. Mm-hmm. I they put it, they mistakenly put an S on his birth certificate. And so his, his name is Charlie Daniel, which is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that something? Wow. Yeah. Seemed, you know, like I said, never met him, but he seemed like a, seemed like a great guy. I remember that just watching him every single time I got the opportunity to see him on stage, just like pretty much giving it everything. Oh, man. Right up to the very end. Dude. Literally. 
every time that fiddle just and you it down. have not lived. It, it, I, if you did not get to see Charlie Daniels play, the Devil Went Down to Georgia live. Yeah, then I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you too because it's kind of like Garth Brooks doing Colin Baton Rouge live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those epic moments that you'll never forget. And if it, I mean, seriously, I couldn't feel a single nerve in my body when they got finished. Mm-hmm. I was so enthralled and, and, you know, but when you watch Charlie Daniels play, <clears throat> Devil Went Down to Georgia live, I, the world just stops. You know, the mm-hmm. only thing that matters is what's going on on stage. And dude, let me tell you, you're right. He gave it everything he had. You know, it was, it, like I said, it's one of those epic moments you just won't ever forget. Well, he made a very lasting impression on me, and that's one major reason why I decided to record uh, Bald Headed Country Boy. Um, yeah, I'm that big of a fan. Love the man. Miss him. Yeah, uh, but the uh, the world misses him. Yeah, you know it's it's. Uh, um, I follow him on Twitter. You should love to read Charlie's tweets. Because he just laid it all out there, you know. If you didn't agree with him, he loved you anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd say, we don't have to agree, mm-hmm. but I love you anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he still loved you if you didn't agree with what he had to say. But, man, I tell you, you talk about somebody that that stood firm in their beliefs. It's it's hard to find somebody like that today, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it couldn't be he, – he was just uh, – he was like a rock. Couldn't move him, man. Just couldn't Tell you move what, him. be more like Charlie, right? Be more like Charlie. Yeah, I agree. And if you can't, be a bald-headed country boy. <laughs> well, you know, um, or just just be you. Yeah, that's good. That's you know, good. just be you. Just get out there and be you. Yeah. Do the best you can. Help somebody. Do that's something it. for somebody. You know, love on somebody. Yeah, I just I like be you though. That's a that's just a big thing because like you. I mean, as part of it is like me showing homage to Charlie is just like I am being me. Like I I love him and his music that mm-hmm. much. Like it's it's made that much of an impact on my life. I wanna I wanna be a part of it. Can you imagine what the world would be like if people weren't themselves? They were trying always constantly trying to be somebody else. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think there's something I think there's something mm-hmm. to that because I, I definitely like there's part of me that wants to be like Charlie, right? But like there's also a part of me that definitely wants to be myself and I feel like I am being myself by putting out his music in it. But at the end on. of the day, just be you. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. And and get out and go do something for somebody. Help somebody out. Uh and if you want to cover somebody's song, do it. That's basically what I was trying to freaking say. Goodness gracious. Lord have mercy. Yeah, I don't see there's anything wrong with covering somebody else's songs at all, but especially the songs that had influence on your life. I think that uh I think that kind of shows the you know, what brought you into being an artist. Yeah. Uh and I'm not an artist, but I've been around a lot of them and heard a lot of you guys talk and things. I just feel like that the you know, that yeah, share share their music. I want to clear something up for you. I first of all, the word artist has always made me feel uncomfortable because I think everybody is an artist. I think everybody is an artist. Okay, I buy that. And like, I think that like certain people decide to make artistry their career. Yeah, but I believe that everyone is an artist, and and they, 
have an opportunity to make art. And there again, that's why people need to go out and just be you. Not you, Jesse. They need to be themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're bald, be bald. If you're not bald, you don't have to be bald unless you want to be. And I'll tell you something else. Love yourself. Uh You know? Love, love, love the person you are. And, and if you don't love yourself and there's some changes you need to make, make those changes. Mm-hmm. But love yourself, you know? There's got to be something, you know, there's a reason you're here. There's a reason that you've been put here. And whatever that reason is, just go out and be you, you know? Uh, my daddy told me something one time I'll never forget. He said, son, if you ever get down on yourself and you get to feeling like, you know, you just, you're just down, down in the dumps. He said, go do something for somebody. He said, go sit and visit and talk to somebody that doesn't have anybody to talk to or, or go rake some leaves for somebody who can't get out and rake their leaves. He said, just go do something for somebody. He said, it will make you feel so much better, mm-hmm. you know? I used to say something like that on my Instagram stories a lot. If you're not having a good day, go out and do something good for somebody. It might I can't help but think you probably picked that up from my daddy somehow. Probably. So, you know, that might be a good way to to end things today. It just go out and do something good for somebody today. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. I wish, I almost wish you had another story. I wasn't quite done, but I ain't mad at it either. That is a good way to end it. Well, let's see. Um, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about Pawpaw lately. Uh, you know, he's been gone. He's been gone eight years. He'll be gone nine years this December. And, uh, you know, my daddy, your grandfather, passed away before he did. And my daddy was an only child. So <clears throat> that kind of left us raising a grandfather. And... Uh, not something we wanted to do or something we were prepared to do, but it was something that was a blessing to us uh, was because we got to spend a lot of extra time with him. Um, he lived about two and a half years after Daddy did, and, you know, we, we did get to spend a lot of time with him. So our family has had, and then our family has had uh, insurance with State Farm Insurance since the 50s, okay, or Maybe the 60s. Mm-hmm. Way back there, okay? <clears throat> and uh, we, I, you know, our family, mom and dad, papa, they all had this, we all had the same agent, okay? Good friend of mine, Craig McElhaney. And, uh, oh, you you know Craig. You've talked to him several times, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've had my fair share of... Uh... <laughs> insurance issues over the years <laughs> we all have we all have craig's a great guy man I, I love craig to death he's been very good to us and he uh, certainly knows my name he uh so one day i'm sitting at, at work and and craig calls me and he says hey travis he said uh mr leo hadn't paid his car insurance now he's 85 years old pop always drives every day mm-hmm. right man's got to have car insurance so I said, oh, he must have, you know, he it, and Papa was still paying his bills, you know, his own right. bills, writing his own checks and everything. So I was like, well, there must be some mistake here. I'll just give you my credit card number and you, you know. So that Saturday I go out to visit with Papa. I said, hey, Craig McElhaney, uh called me this week and said that you hadn't paid your uh, car insurance. He said, 
you doggone straight I didn't pay my car insurance. I said, why not? He said, I'm not paying it. I said, why not? He said, they went up $13 every six months on me. He said, ain't nothing but a racket. Bunch of crooks. And I said, okay. Didn't, didn't, I didn't tell him that I paid for it or anything. Just, okay. So about two months later, I get another call from Craig. Travis, Mr. Leo hadn't paid his house insurance. Well, let me give him my credit card number. So I go out to see him that weekend. I said, hey, Craig called me again this week and said you hadn't paid your house insurance. Doggone straight, I hadn't paid my house insurance. Suckers went up $16 every six months on me, and I ain't paying it. It's nothing but a racket, bunch of crooks. So I said, okay. So I go back in the next morning. I call Craig, and I said, anyway, we can just put my name on Papa's stuff, and you just mail me his bills and let me pay for them. And he said, well, yeah, we can do that. I said, yeah, I said, it, it, because he's, you know, he's not going to pay it. Just send it to me and we'll, we'll make sure it's taken care of. Well, fast forward about seven or eight months. Papa had a couple of nephews come out and visit him one day. Uh, Ricky and Vestal come out to see Papa one day. And Papa's telling them about how he don't have any car insurance and house insurance. And they're like, oh, you got to have car. No, I don't, I, no, I don't have to have car insurance, house insurance. You talk about a cantankerous old man. He could be cantankerous when he wanted to be. Yeah. He's like, no, I don't have, I don't have any insurance. So they get in the car and they call me. They said, Travis, we're not trying to meddle in anybody's business or anything. They said, but you know, Uncle Leo doesn't have any car or house insurance. And I just busted out laughing. I said, don't even say a word. I said, he's fully covered. <laughs> I take care of it every six months. He's fine. I just don't ever, I don't argue with him. I just, uh, the man went to his grave thinking that he didn't he have didn't any, any insurance, insurance <laughs> at all, and he was fully covered. He was really happy with it. He right. was he was so – he was telling every – I don't know how many people would say, I can't believe Leo don't have car insurance and house insurance. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, what Leo don't know, don't hurt him. You know, it's all good. Just let it go, you know. That's but hilarious. There's no need in arguing with an old man like that. No, I'm probably going to pull that trick on you one of these days. Is, if you're paying for something, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Trick me. I'm good. I'm good. That's hilarious. So, well, yeah. thanks for hanging out with me and talking with me a little bit this Sunday morning and telling some stories. It's, it's turned out to be a, a really good time for me. I, I, I looked forward to it. I knew it would be. I just Sometimes you take a little extra talking into Papa T. That's because these stories, I've told them so many times, I don't think they're I don't think they're very interesting anymore, but y'all like to hear them. So mm -hmm. dad likes to tell dad him. likes to play hard to get. He finds out I want to get his stories captured and he's like, Oh, I can't tell them today. I can't do it today. That's how I landed your mama, son. Yeah, I play hard to get son. I love you. Yeah, love you too, baby. Happy Sunday. Y'all we'll see you next time. Hey, and if you aren't, maybe you should be bald headed country boy. That's a wrap. If I can't get it on my own If you don't like the way I'm living You just leave this bald-headed country boy alone Said if you don't